Well, hey, welcome to this week's episode of California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte, and I am your host. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team located in Sac, based out of Sacramento. We have uh, investigators all over the state of California, Nevada, Washington, Oregon, and in Hawaii, believe it or not. It's kind of cool. Aloha. Anyway, welcome tonight, and I've got a different kind of show for you and changing it up. You know, there's been a lot of negativity in the news. There's still a lot of negativity going on, people fighting people. But I told you guys I was going to change these shows up every other week to where we would speak with the paranormal, ex, you know, somebody in the paranormal field, and then we'd have some interesting topics in between. And so tonight is my interesting topic in between night. And my guest is from Canada. Her name is Kathy Tucaro. She's an author. And she has a very interesting life and story to tell us. Um, you know, she was very, um, very successful, very productive, and she ended up losing everything. I'm going to let her tell her story when I bring her on. But she brought herself back from that, and she's, she's living a really, really interesting lifestyle now. Plus, she's written books. She goes out and she, you know, she helps women that have been battered and, and people that are suffering from alcoholism and stuff like that. So she's very interesting, and she's done a lot in her life, and I'm, I'm really excited to have her on tonight. So without further ado, let's bring Kathy in. Where's the drum roll? <laughs> there you go. We're good. Hi, Welcome. thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. You have a very interesting story. And I know that it's very inspiring as well. I did some just a bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Little so bit. tell us about, yeah, let's start launching into this. Tell me about you. Good Lord, where do I start? No, uh, okay, well, I had a really, I mean, I, I'd like to say really difficult life, but we all have our own way, we all have our own story, we all come from different backgrounds. In my case, it's no different than millions and millions of people out there. I molested as a small child in a foster home. My mom, when she remarried, came and got me, took me back, and then um, she married a step. My stepfather was a monster. He was very good in the community, but as soon as you close the door, I mean, tons of all kinds of abuse happened. I started running away at the age of seven. I used to hide out in the doghouse, and that's where my conversations with God actually started, wondering if you're such a a loving God, how can you let all this stuff happen? And, and I just didn't understand. But mm -hmm. anyway, further on, my mom finally left him uh, when I was 10. And once she found out about all the abuse from, from myself and my two sisters, well, we moved across Canada into back to Quebec where my mom's family is. And I was raped at 14. I, so I, I began modeling at 18 and I was drugged and raped by a photographer in Miami. And I, I couldn't tell anybody about it. I, I mean, nobody knew. I mean, I was molested again at 15, I forgot, um, from the same foster family that I was at when I was a kid. My, they had a lot of money, and my mom sent me there for Christmas, thinking, oh, you know, because we were so poor that things might be better. She had no idea about the abuse. And it was awful. He was chasing me all around. I even, to the point where I even jumped into bed with his wife to say, hey, you know, <laughs> your hubby there. And she wouldn't believe me. She thought, I was a little liar and whatever, tramp and all that stuff. And so charges were pressed, but the police never did anything. So that kind of died in the water. Um, when I came back, back to 18, when I was drugged and raped as a model, I uh, went back to Montreal and I was really overtaken by this. And I, I you know, you carry that shame and uh, it, I just didn't know who to talk to. 
I ended up coming home from work when I was 19 from this, this restaurant roof hotel. It was very popular in Montreal. And I went to the, I went to dinner, you know, after, after hours, uh, Duns, you know, the smoked meat that are this, like they're a foot high <laughs> uh, with my coworkers. And I got in a cab and I, I went to my place. Well, it was, it's in a very secluded area and I ended up getting gang raped there. Um, I passed out and I woke up and someone was on top of me and it turns out the two neighbors had found me in the alley and took me to their house and they both raped me. So when I finally, and my purse was stolen, all my money, my keys, like everything. So when I called my landlord, I, I, I was so ashamed. I, I couldn't believe it. My clothes were torn. You think I'd call the police? No, the shame was too much. All I wanted was a shower. So I ended up um, calling, going across the street, calling my landlord. And when he let me in, he ended up, believe it or not, he ended up raping me. He wanted to teach me a lesson on how, uh, he, well, his exact words were, if, a for, if, if you fall off the horse, you get back on the horse and you keep going. So the same, right? He says, I don't want you to become a frigid woman. And so I, I'm going to do you a favor. And I'm like, anyway, long story short, I, I never said anything. But I felt so dirty, and there's no amount of showering that could ever clean that. And so I ended up the next day when, or two days when I finally left the house, I realized I was at the bus stop. I said, I need a job, and I only had a little bit of money. And as I'm standing there, the, the, the guy who, the neighbor who raped me was standing right there, and he was looking at me, and I freaked, right? I just, that instant paralysis. So I took whatever money I had instead, and I went to buy a bottle, some alcohol, and next thing you know, I find myself on the biggest bridge in Montreal at 19 with one leg over, ready to hop, ready to jump. Well, as I'm cursing God on that bridge and, I, you know, the wind's howling and like it was just like out of a movie. And I'm like, I hate you. And, uh, it turns out this man shows up and he had this big, this aura of light and love around him. And he pulls me off the bridge. He never said a word. He just sat down with me and gave me energy, I guess you could say, and walked me off the bridge. And we're in a part of, part of Montreal where there's nothing, right? There was magically, this cab was there. And so I got into the cab and I went to, um, he brought me to the hospital. And from there, I, I realized that the psych doctor was <laughs> just as crazy, crazier than I was. He was nuts, man. I said, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to be drugged and continue to be great. I said, I'm done. So I, I, I ran out. Anyhow, I hopped on a train, crossed Canada. I had 150 bucks in my pocket and a suitcase. And I said, I'm starting over. And I did. I went back to school. I became a nurse. And I had a very good career until for 13 years. However, uh, the year 2000, I started drinking. And when I say drinking, I mean drinking. Right? I drank a lot. And it was, oops, it was as if these... Um, all, all what was haunting me inside, literally, uh, it was overwhelming. So do you make good choices when you drink? Honest question. Do you make good choices? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. At the time, you think you do, though. <laughs> you do. No. Because it's so fun. Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyhow, so for the next seven years, I, I went from uh, two relationships, from bad to worse, if that's possible, but it really was. And I, I lived, I survived seven and a half years of intense domestic violence. I literally, I should be dead 10 times over. Uh, I lived with a shovel on my porch as a reminder I, with what I'd be buried with. Uh, he used to sleep in front of the door so that I wouldn't get out. Um, just, I, I've been strangled three times to the point of losing consciousness. I mean, just so much. I, he stalked me for a year after, like just all this stuff. It, it was crazy. I mean, walking on eggshells and the, and the whole time I'm nursing, right? Because it was easier for me to take care of other people's problems. And I mean, you got cancer, you, you got broken bones, you got this. It's way worse than me. I mean, I got a few bruises. I, I was talking myself out of it. It's not, not so bad. But really, I'm in and out of women's shelters and going to, going to work, take care of everybody else. But I had no idea how to look after myself. And it was, it was a problem. So my easiest solution was to drink. Well, that drinking led me to losing my nursing career uh, in 2011. I 
ended up drunk and homeless. I escaped my, my, my guy. Let me backtrack. I escaped him in 2007, and I call it the great escape because his last words to me were he was actually strangling me with one hand and punching me in the face with the other. And his last words were, I'm going to take your bloody battered body, tie you up, put you in a truck, roll you down a hill and burn you alive. You stupid, useless, you know, so then yeah. he's screaming. All I could see was veins popping and oh, it was awful. Anyway, he was saying, do you doubt me? And I, I couldn't speak. A blackness was coming and I just kind of shook my head. I could feel the tears rolling down. And next thing you know, I wake up and I'm in my, my bedroom. He's gone. And I couldn't speak. I'd lost my voice because he had pushed so hard on my throat. And I knew that if I didn't get out now, this is it, right? He'd gone to get help or whatever. So I ended up uh, calling my friend and his name was Rick. I'm like, Rick. I was like, ah. and he thought it was a joke. I'm like, this isn't a joke. So he bought me a one-way ticket out of, I lived up by in the Yukon, like way far up. And it was a 36 hour bus ride to Edmonton, Canada. And he bought me a ticket and I made it to that bus within two minutes of this leaving. There's only one bus day that left. And as I'm getting this, I'm crying. The bus door is just the bus is just starting to roll out. Who do I see? My 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 crazy ex who's driving by looking for me on the bus. And I'm thinking, oh dear God, please don't stop. Please don't stop. Right. Anyway, long so I make it from the bus to Edmonton. And on that bus ride, now I'm really broken. I have seven years of, of trauma and violence and death and all this stuff. And I make a few phone calls and I, I, I needed a job and I needed a place to stay. Two phone calls, I got that. So what do I do? I immediately put on my survival mode and I flip that switch and, oh, here's Kathy, I'm good, right? <laughs> whatever happened, you know, what people do this a lot, whatever happens in the past stays in the past. Right. Who cares, it happened a long time ago, it doesn't matter. Well, that's what I did. And I had this vault inside and I put, tucked it inside that vault and I'm not looking at it. Well, fast forward a year, yeah, I'm back to nursing. I'm working on the on the medical unit. I have 10 patients to take care of, every, you know, full. And that's a lot. And I'm tired. Like, I'm just, I'm so mentally exhausted that I'm struggling to make decisions. I'm struggling to, to just to move ahead. And I, I look at my nursing sheet, and I couldn't read the words. I could not see the words. And I knew that I, I was just done. Like, I'm, I'm, I can't mentally function anymore, you know, the, the, the mental breakdown. So I went from the medical unit down to the psychiatric unit. And in between the two, I, I lost my mind. It's like, by, by then I'm 40 years old. And it's like 40 years just came of pain just came shooting out. And I'm, I'm knocking on the on the psych unit, let me in, let me in. I called security, get her out, get her out. <laughs> so they drug me down to the site to the emergency room to the rubber room so I wouldn't hurt myself. And uh, the doctor there, for the first time in my life, I actually told him everything. I mean, I told him every. My mother didn't even know about the gang rape. Like nobody knew. So I told him that. And then when uh, he suggested, I, I thought he was going to lock me up, give me some happy pills, and you know, snap me on the forehead, say you're nuts, and that's it. You know, we'll lock you up. But no, right. he said, Kathy, there's no amount of happy pills, as you stated. Sorry, these stupid things keep falling out. <laughs> Um, he said, there's no happy pills that are going to fix you. Number one, you need to quit drinking and then you need to fix you. And the only way you're going to do that is to address, he showed me this long list. You have to address this and look at it for what it is because you're carrying it everywhere you go. It doesn't matter what you do. It's not going to go away. So I, that, that was in 2008 and I started, um, uh, I went to treatment for alcohol, and but it's not the alcohol was just you know it covers what the, where the real problem was. And even the lady in treatment, she said, "No, she said, you need long term treatment." I said, "Yeah, I know. Tell me about it, right?" <laughs> but in two thousand, and so then that 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 began the the beginning of my my recovery. And I mean, recovery doesn't happen overnight. Change doesn't happen overnight. You got to put a lot of work into it. And I had ups, I had downs. Uh, the biggest down was in 2011 when I went back to nurse. I'd been nursing, things are going good, but I fell back to drinking and I lost my career. I ended up drunk. I had slashed my arm. I don't know if you can, uh, I can't really see it. I got all these scars here. Ended up in ICU. Uh, I lost my home. My, my daughter, my 16 year old daughter, wouldn't talk to me. She moved out with her dad, didn't talk to me for two years. 
I uh, ended up I, drunk and homeless on the street. So I completely lost it. Right? So here I am on the seventh day and, and I'm looking at being homeless. I, I mean, I'm educated. I, how does this happen? Like, I couldn't figure it out. Like, my God. So on the seventh day of being homeless, <laughs> this man named Toothless Joe, he comes up to me and he smacks me on the back and he goes, this is the life, you know, live it, love it. <laughs> and he's quite happy with being homeless. And when he did that, it's as if that cloud of depression that I have, it just, it shattered. And I saw crystal clear for once in my life. And I'm looking around and I'm like, what did you just say? I said, this is not my life. <laughs> I don't care what you think is okay, buddy, but this sucks. I said, this is not my life. I even stopped my foot. <laughs> so I made a decision. Although I had lost everything, I even had my, I was robbed. I had no identification. I literally had the clothes on my back. I made a decision. And that decision was that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get away from that guy. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm going to get this right. So I went to de I went back to the hospital. I detoxed. I went back. I was in this women's program um, where it's called Wellspring, where you live for a year and you unravel all the lies that have been fed into you, such as uh, like, you know, uh, you have to learn about self-esteem, anger management. I thought I wasn't angry. I'm the nicest lady ever. Yeah, no, <laughs> anger comes out in different ways. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, so fast forward, then I, but, but you know, I couldn't change careers. I mean, I couldn't figure out, I couldn't go back to nursing. Sorry, I should say. And so how do you change careers at 42? It's not that easy. Right. All I know is nursing. It's been 13 years. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I don't like. I mean, how do you do that? So she sent me to a women's, uh, this, this career planning workshop. And it's three days where you learn uh, your aptitudes, your personalities, what, you know, what will go good. And when she, gave, when she handed me back the test, it said in big block letters, heavy equipment operator. I, oh my God, I just, I laughed so hard. I just about fell off my chair. I'm like, that's the most ridiculous career ever. I'm like, come on. I said, I'm 42. I'm a woman. I don't like equipment. I'm not mechanically inclined. And it's a man's job. I really, you know, I thought it was a man's job. And she pushes me back the sheet and she puts one hand on her hip and says, if only you'd believe in yourself a little bit, Missy, you'd see the test is right. So she sent me to this place called Women Building Futures. It's a nonprofit where that gets women into the trades. And when I was there, by the grace of God alone, I, the, I, the day I walked in, the morning I was there, ExxonMobil, the biggest oil and gas company in the world, were there. And they were sponsoring 16 women, which they paid. So 10, 16 women, 18 grand a woman, uh, to take this 12-week heavy equipment operator course. So I, all I saw, I didn't know what a haul truck was. All I saw was 10 days on, 10 days off. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> so, but I mean, 170 women applied. They were taking 16. There was a lot of work that I had to do. And so I did. And I ended up getting picked. And I took the 12-week heavy equipment operator course. And after, um, at, when it came time, I got hired. They hired 11 out of the 16. And that was seven and a half years ago. And that changed my life. Uh, I'll show you what I drive. It is the, for the people watching the biggest truck in the world. This is the, my book that I wrote. I mean, that's me first day, right? You can't see it, but I'm actually crying in the picture because I'm, I hadn't even been on the truck yet. I'm just looking up at this thing and I'm crying because I'm thinking the toothless Joe. I'm thinking two years ago, I'm drunk and homeless on the street. And how does this happen? I got to drive this beast, right? <laughs> So it was a big thing. I mean, and, and I'm working with all these men and I, I mean, I had man issues. How do, how do I get over that? And so it, it, it hasn't been easy, but I love it. And I, not only do I operate this, I operate the, the largest water truck in the world. It holds 52,000 gallons of water. I, I, I sent you the picture earlier. I, I operate the biggest grader in the world. It's freaking wicked. <laughs> it's hard, but I love it. So that lady was right. She was right. I got to thank her one day. But that's not the best part. I mean, yes, I, I operate the coolest equipment. It's fantastic. But it's what I do on my days off that really changes. I'm going to move in. Uh, which way? This way. Okay. Here on my wall back there is my wall of love. It's all pictures and, of, and letters of students and people. Uh, my job, yes, it gives me the finances to do what I need to do. But it, what, what's more precious is the time off. So... 
like we before we'd have 10 days on 10 days off but now because of covid uh, we uh, we work 16 days on and 16 days off which is fine because i get more days off so it allows me the time to go i i travel to many countries and when i do i mean i'm not sitting in some posh fancy hotel i i look for the hood like <laughs> i want to go i want to go where people are hurting i want to go find you know where people are real and say hey what's going on and I, i've been through i've been to hell and back again and how can i help and so i, I give a lot of free personal development classes um, I, I do so much. I work with schools. I, do, I work with juvenile homes. I go to prisons. I, every everywhere I go, I make sure I, I at least hit the women's shelters for sure. Right? Uh, I, I do a lot of that just to to show to give people hope that it doesn't matter if you're down and out. And I mean, I could have easily went with Toothless Joe and had another drink, right? Mm -hmm. But I made a choice that okay, I'm homeless. I, I've lost everything. I'm going to fix this. And was it easy? No. Did it happen overnight? No. I, 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 there's a lot of steps involved to get me to where I am today, but I never gave up, right? I kept going and kept going. Did I cry? Were there frustrations? Were there obstacles? Oh, let me tell you about obstacles. My God, right? There's tons. But it's what you do with it. And I, I really believe it's, it's your mindset. You have to believe in the person you want to become more than what you are or what was done to you, right? So you have to really change change your way of thinking and your attitude and your perspectives and um yeah so yeah so i do a so lot a, a question i have i'm thinking about nursing you know to do that as a profession i'm not laughing about it. i'm just to do that as a profession there must have been triggers for you doing that because you know women would come in that that had been beaten or raped or, or whatever you know in the hospital Yes, there's always triggers, and even to this day there are, but it's not so much um, back then, I would give them even more love, right? How I would even be more motherly and nurturing and caring and, and telling them what to do, you know, you don't have to stay there, even though I'm stuck in that same situation, it was easier for me to give the advice and to take my own advice, right? Sure, so, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And when you talk about triggers, um, how do you handle the triggers now? Because obviously, you know, you're you're out in the world dealing with men, you know, like you like you say on a on a daily basis. So, so how 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 did you learn to deal with that? I'll tell you a story. It's a gooder. <laughs> so the first month I'm in this beast of a truck, uh, I'm still struggling with self esteem, and I'm you know, oh God, I'm in this world of men and all this stuff. And so I'm going through this intersection where I had to call security. I was going to the maintenance shop. And back then we, it was, the mine was just opening. So things were a little different. So there's two security guards who had to block the roads for pickups, right? So the pickups wouldn't go through. So I'm crawling through, I said, yeah, I'm coming through and I'm only allowed to go at five kilometers an hour when, when there's people on the ground and things like that. So I'm coming through and at the most inappropriate moment, I, I don't think there's ever appropriate moments, but I had a flashback, you know, a PTSD moment. And I'm, I'm, I'm driving and all of a sudden it came from behind and it just went, Woof. I couldn't breathe. I, I saw flashes of the most humiliating moments in my life. And it, it was just over and over. And, and I could see words and all the names I was called. And, you know, you use this piece of crap and you, you're a waste of skin. You're stupid. You're fat. You're ugly. You'll never do it. You know, all that. And, and, and I could hear the voices and I could see it. And I'm getting the, and I can't breathe. And I start to hyperventilate. And I'm going through the intersection in the biggest truck in the world, right? Not the most best time. So what do I do? I, I went like, I, I tried to catch my breath and I went, oh hell no <laughs> right and and you got to know that at that intersection there was pickups lineup of pickup on both sides of the road because number one everyone everyone that happened to stop and get out of their truck because when you see a, a truck this big on the road in a pickup you have no choice but to look up and think oh my god right and the sound they make is just it's mind-blowing so people are getting out of their pickups, they're having a smoke and they're looking up at the truck. They can't see me because I literally, I look like this in the truck. So they have no idea what's going on. But when that happened, I said, oh, hell no. So I roll down the window and I kind of imagine all the stuff that I'm seeing and I tossed it out. And I, and I, because I said, my past does not define today, does not define my tomorrow, my, my future. 
I said, I have worked way too hard to be sitting here. But the thing is, I had this big gaping hole now because that negativity that I threw out, you got to replace, you got to replace it with something positive. And the only, I did the only thing I, I, I could think of in that, in that moment, because it was, it, I felt like I was going through a parade. So I did the queen wave. <laughs> I'm like, hi, it's Kathy. Hi. And I'm blowing kisses and right as I'm going through the intersection. But what that did, as stupid as it is, it gave me my power back because all of a sudden my past didn't matter because I am in control of my life. I'm in control of my thoughts. I'm in control of what I think, what I allow. Right. And I did not allow that in. So today, to this day, I don't always do the queen wave, but when things happen, I talk, I talk <laughs> well, maybe I do, <laughs> but when things happen, uh, I talk myself through it. I mean, I actually literally take a breath, step back, look at what, what the situation is, and I get rid of what's not necessary, right? right. Because, yeah, yeah. And you have to. You have to be able to, because nobody else can do it for you. You right. can either sit in your thoughts, negative, negative, depression, all that, or you can say, enough's enough. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to do something about it, and no, and I'm going to do it on my own, Right. So. It's amazing you got through school with all that was going on in your life. I'm amazed that the teachers didn't pick up on it or you were really good at hiding it or. Yeah, pretty good at hiding it. Nobody at work knew nobody like nobody. Right. Because uh, I got a bubbly personality. I mean, I tend to make jokes and smile. And but back then I was it was more shameful than anything that, that kept it inside, because as a professional, I'm around, you know, all these these really smart people. And I didn't want people to know um, what, what what was going on. It's I mean, women who are battered, it's embarrassing, right? Because you're staying in it. But then again, he, the the constant death threats. I don't know. It, it's a vicious circle. I, I and it, I guess what kept me with him the second the second one. He was a an enforcer in a biker gang, and so that really kept me. That really held me prisoner. How do you, how do you escape that? The threat of being sold, uh, human trafficking was a constant, constant thing. Um, I mean, the shovel on the porch wasn't bad enough. Like, you know what I mean? So it was very difficult. Do you mean you hear the story? It's just, it's just, uh, it's incredible because you went through so much because people don't, don't think that people go through that much, but there's people all over the world that go through stuff like this all the time. Ah, they go through worse. I've met women since I started doing this. I mean, I've literally spoken to thousands of women and some of the horror stories. Oh my God. Oh, absolutely horrific. And so, I mean, I'm not downplaying my story by far, but I'm right, just saying right. there, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stories. And that's why I wrote the book, right? I mean, I wrote it because, because I started, well, sorry, when I started volunteering in places, I realized that I can't volunteer everywhere. I need to get the message on a broader scope. So how do I do that? Well, you know, <laughs> I wrote the book sitting in the water truck at work. You're not allowed electronics. And so you can't even record yourself. So I hand wrote the book <laughs> sitting in the truck wow. at work. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty remarkable. But um, speaking of books, I'm writing uh, another book right now. And it is, uh, believe it or not, it's uh, kind of based on your California haunting. It's a true, it's really? a fiction. Yeah, it's fiction, but it's based on true events because people will never believe it, right? We played the Ouija board as, as kids, as teenagers, and uh -oh. the stuff that happened, we'll have to have a separate conversation about that. But anyway, the, the, the stuff that happened from that, from those events, it's like we opened up a portal, and honest to God, for oh, I had to go see a medicine woman. Up, uh, up in uh, Whitehorse to rid myself of all these entities. She she said I had about 25 of these little guys hanging around. She said, you're a zoo. I'm like, oh, no kidding. That explains it's your, it. It's your personality. That's why. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> no, I swear because I have, a, <laughs> I, I have a personality like that. And when I go to the cemetery, my psychics on my team will tell me I have a conga line of people lined up behind me. Oh, oh. Oh, that explains a few things, right? So like your personality. <laughs> but I was an easy target because when you drink or smoke drugs right. or do drugs, you're an open portal, right? That's and right. I drank like that. Yeah. Yeah. I got eight years sober, by the way. Woohoo! Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. So. That's just oh, yeah. awesome. You know, like oh, when, yeah. I, when I hire you, when I'm sitting there with the work lady and she says, oh, how about a heavy machinery operator thinking, 
Oh, I can do a caterpillar crafter. I can do that. But then to walk over and see what you're offering, I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> That's what I say every day. I wasn't thinking God. this. I was thinking a forklift, a caterpillar crafter, you know. <laughs> when they told me I'd be driving a, a big truck, I had no idea how big this truck was, right? Because <laughs> we trained on little trucks. <laughs> but you no. Know that that photo you sent me today too, I was thinking of ice road truckers when you said, okay, I, I had, you know, I was out clearing the roads for the truckers. So uh, I was thinking of that TV show. Yeah, yeah. No, this is, this is something else. This is something else. Oh my God. That's but I love right. it. It's it's challenging. It, it you have no choice but to have a backbone, to have a voice, to 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 become a leader, like all these things. And oh, I have such a great crew. And yeah, no, lots of good things coming on. Lots That's of incredible. good things. Yeah. So like you, so like you said, you you on your spare time, you go out and you talk to women or yep. people that have been in similar situations as yours. Absolutely. How do you plan all that? And get all that schedule to go. I have eight hamsters and one wheel in this noggin. <laughs> I do. I can, I'm doing five things at once. I realize, oh, I, I, I plan these things. I call ahead. Like I'm going to California, uh, possibly December 13th to the 17th. And so, uh, well, I don't know about now, but before, every time I go there or go wherever, I, I call ahead. I send emails. I send them pictures, you know, story. I said, hey, and I do it for free. Because number one, right. they don't have money, and it's, it's not—it's not about the money. I don't care. It's about right. if one one sentence, one word, something that I say will inspire them and get them to say, you know what, she did it. I can do it. If that, yeah. you know, if anything, to give them something. That's why. Um, and and I work a lot, especially with the younger generation uh, between fourteen and seventeen, because they're vulnerable, and a lot of stuff happens. There's a lot of date rape. There's, a lot of um, uh, bullying and uh, um, boyfriends that will intimidate the girls to sleep with right. them. And, you know, the mini the mind games, oh, well, you don't love me if you don't sleep with me. You know, all that crap, right? So I, I talk to them on a one-to-one -one basis uh, at schools about this stuff. And when I'm there, I give my book away for free. Like, have it, take it. It's not about the money, honestly. Right. It's not. It's about making a difference, an impact on the lives of, of, of not just not just women now, men too. Because right. I mean, I speak I speak at youth centers for boys um, on how to treat women. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean, right? So right, yeah, right, 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 right. And now, and now something. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say now something even bigger is coming because my book is being turned into a movie. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I have a screenwriter. She'll be finished next week, and then we're we're starting the next phase of of things. So yeah, it's pretty cool that she's been working on transforming the book for the last six months into the screenplay. So super cool. That is really awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Is yeah. there anybody that you've run into? I, I know you talked about the, the 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 one woman earlier. Is there anybody that that, that you've been in contact with that that you kept in contact with to see how their progress is going? Oh, lots. The, oh, you can't. All the letters on my wall show that. Uh, my emails, my website, uh, Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, constant, constant. I go to Barbados and Gr I go to, okay, I go to the Caribbean islands a lot and not for the sun. Well, yes, okay, maybe for the sun. But when, when I'm there, what I do is I plan in the morning, I'll go to schools, which is all, a whole bunch of different schools. In the afternoon is Kathy sit on the beach and bake time. <laughs> and then in the, in the evenings, <laughs> I go to the women's shelter. And so I work with all the islands. I work with uh, like Women of Purpose. Uh, the lady there, she's got her own radio show. She's, she's in charge of 11 of the islands. So she introduces me to the community. She brings me to her church uh, groups. Uh, not, not groups. She'll set up uh, talks in church, I should say. Uh, like, so there's, there's maybe a hundred, 200 people that are, that attend. She, mm -hmm. she sets up for me to go to the prisons. Like, uh, so I do that in Grenada and Barbados and the Isle of St. Vincent. And now whenever they open up the islands again, I'll be going to St. Lucia and Antigua and Bahamas. So to work with there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what I got a team. Happens? Yeah. Gosh. Team what, what usually happens when you like, like. Like if you go to a prison, how does that work? How, how, how you, you know, how do you well, talk to them? How do you approach it? I'll give you an example of the one in Barbados because I go there regularly. Okay. Uh, well, now I, I always bring supplies because, uh -huh. uh, you know, the little hotel things that you get. 
but I, I can't to the islands now they don't accept plastic so I got to figure out a different way of bringing them toiletries but I go there I I pre uh, the lady of women of purpose she prearranges it with with the guards and then they they bring the women and we all sit in the room it's just kind of like a, any old meeting right and I talk uh -huh. and I went there let's see two years ago I went there and I, I left a bunch of my books in the library for the prison and I talk to the women and I, I get them going. It's not just about me, but it's for them to recognize about themselves. What can they do, even though they're in prison, to change? What can they do, regardless of the circumstances, to look at themselves and say, okay, well, this really sucks. So how, how, what do I do to not come back here, right? right. So when I went back last year. Um, some of the ladies were still there in this in the prison, and it was it was wonderful because they were telling me things that they were that they'd done in the year that I've been gone. Right? They're like, Yeah, I remember you, and they're talking about my story and about things that they're looking up online, and just you know, and that's fabulous to see to see with visually and to hear because you can see it in their faces. They're they're, they're getting that that spark back again, right? right. Just like. Um, uh, if I were to show you a picture of myself in 2011 that I found uh, when I was homeless, because I had to go get a picture taken for so I can get my identification back at the homeless right. place they give me that, I found that picture. And if someone would have been able to tell me then what to do, you know, I would have I would have sucked it up like like a like a sponge, right? So I'm looking at the picture then, and I look at the picture of today. It's like, oh my god. You can't even, so you can't, you can't compare. So the ladies in the prison is the same thing. I saw them the year before and then I saw them last year and the change was like phenomenal. I'm like, wow, that's what I like to see is it to see that. And so, yeah, the young girls in Barbados and Grenada and even St. Vincent, they, they message me all the time and one's writing a book. So I'm, I'm helping her with her book and, you know, little things right. like that. So yeah, it's good to see. I have a question about your mother. Now you left home. Have you been in touch with your mother at all, or did you just cut that whole thing off? Uh, I no, I am. She lives with me now, right now. She's okay. uh, seventy-five. Uh, she drank most of her life, and so okay. our relationship was kind of difficult. I tried to help her a few times, but you cannot help someone who's not willing to change. You right. cannot give someone the tools if they're not going to do something with it. I mean, I had given so many um, tools of my own that worked for me and even my recovery books and just, you know, my self-help books and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And no, nope, I don't care. And you, you can't, you can't help someone unless they want to help themselves. Bottom line. Right. So right. now uh, she's got two years sober. Uh, she's 75. She moved back in with me and uh, I was able, ah, I was able to buy my very own house with my very own money. Nobody else's money. Everything is mine. And as I'm opening the door two years ago, I'm like, if only Toothless Joe could see me now. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So Later. in the in the basement, there's a place for my mom. It, it's her own, not, not basement. It's a walkout uh, with sure. its own big deck. And uh, yeah, so she lives there and we share the kitchen and I got upstairs. Yeah, it's really good. And our relationship for the first time in my life is actually good with her. Yeah. That's awesome. And and, and, you, and you you seem like a fighter. You seem like someone that, that, that's going to come back from just about anything. Mm, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that 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 medicine woman that I saw uh, uh -huh. years ago in, in, in Whitehorse, she said your totem spirit is a cougar. And I'm okay. like, well, is that because I'm old or is that because I keep landing on my feet? <laughs> right. See, your story right now could resonate with a lot of people because of this COVID-19 thing. And a lot of people at, at late ages are going to have to change careers and stuff. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a huge, big step for people. And, and your story kind of leads into that too, you know, of, of, of how to tackle that because it's scary. It's very scary. Like, uh, you know, as soon as I couldn't go back to nursing, it was as if my whole identity had been stripped. And I, I honestly, at 42, I did not know what I liked, what I didn't like. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know what I'd be good at, what kind of career. I had no idea. 
And so that career planning workshop actually helped me tick off the no, no, no. I, I would have never in a million years guessed the heavy equipment operator. However, you know what actually got me thinking about it is at, when she gave me the test, and I'm like, this is bullshit, man. So I, I gave it, I, I'm sitting like this, my arms crossed. I said, this, I just wasted three days sitting here um, doing this stupid course, and she tells me I'm going to be a heavy equipment operator. I said, this is bullshit. So, but she puts on a Les Brown video, right? <laughs> and, the, and the video was, it's called It's Possible. And so I went from sitting like this, because he's saying, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, or if you have something, you know, don't think that you can't do it. Just tell yourself, well, you know, maybe it's possible. So that's so as she's talking, as he's talking, I started thinking, well, I'm a good driver. I, I can drive truck. I, I had no idea about these trucks. I was thinking about the, the 18 wheeler tractor trailers going back and forth. Right? So I figured in the winter, I'll go to the States and then you know, go back and forth. That's what I was thinking. I said, I can drive a truck. And so that's when she said to send me to this program to Women Building Futures. They had uh, a program there where uh, the cement company was paying for women to take the course, the, the get your uh -huh. class one, the, and they hired you automatically. That's what I was going for. Not sure. the one, when I saw the 10 days on, 10 days off. Oh, hell no, I'll take that. I don't I have no idea what a haul truck is. I don't care. I'll drive it. Right? <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Yeah. That's incredible. Now you just came off a real long shift. You were telling me. Oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, since they changed our these stupid things, God. Uh, since they <laughs> since they since they came off uh, uh, since they since COVID, ugh, um, they had to change our schedule because we have workers all across Canada and uh, different provinces have different rules. So when you have to self isolate for fourteen days, the ten and ten didn't work. So they gave. Because people fly home and fly back, there's a two-day leeway. So that's why our schedules are temporarily 16 and 16. Well, I work a 15-hour shift, so 16 mm -hmm. long, very long. And up here right now, it, it, snowstorms, and um, I don't have a picture of the grader, but <clears throat> the grader is bigger than an, a tractor trailer. Honestly, the, the blade is 24 feet long, three feet high. It's massive. The stupid thing keeps falling. It's really hard to manipulate. You got 12 functions on this hand. You got 14 functions on this hand trying to be, oh God, it, it's something else. One of the hardest things I've ever done is learn that. But anyway, and not to mention dodging trucks and trying not to get squished. And <laughs> but no, it's very long, very exhausting. But I still try. I, I would still get up early and work away on my new book. And, you know, I have a deadline to write that. So I'm just typing away. So the, the, these days off, all I'm doing is writing, 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 writing. So I kind of kick. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. That, that, that is going to be exciting. You live a very, okay, like I told everybody, you live a very interesting life, to say the least. Because you don't look like a heavy equipment operator, you know. I know. That's um, what I love. <laughs> I don't fit the the criteria. Like when I uh, I went, I was down in Malibu. My my dear friend lives in Malibu, and I visit uh -huh. her all the time. And when I go there, um, I, I brought I had a poster of my book because it's in Barnes and Noble. So imagine uh -huh. this poster, six feet high, three feet wide. I said, you got to make a statement, right? <laughs> so I'm in Barnes and Noble in 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 by, close by Malibu. I forget the place, West Westwood or Westlaw. I don't know. Anyway. And uh, so I, I, I'm at the door and um, I got my books and a big bowl of candies and chocolates to attract the people. Come on. <laughs> but the poster's so big that people, when they walk in the door, they take a look and they go, holy shit. Like they've never seen, nobody's seen trucks this big unless you're in mining. You have no idea. It's not a reality show. It's not on TV. It's nothing, right? So right. this woman, I, I'm, I'm talking to a couple students and this woman is um, comes in and she she looks like she was in a hurry. She sees my poster and stops dead in her tracks. Listen to listen to part of my story. Grabs my 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 one pager of all my information. Runs back out the door. She never even went into the store. Twenty minutes later, this man comes running in full tilt, and he says, "My wife made me miss a very important meeting in LA to come talk to you. Come see. What do you got?" Benny sees my poster and he goes, holy, says, oh my God, turns out he's a book agent and a producer. So, wow. <laughs> I know. So him and I, uh, and, and I was speaking that night or two nights later, I was speaking at Cliffside Malibu 
this recovery place. And I told, I invited him there. I said, come see me and then you'll see the whole story, right? You'll see my, my, my slideshow and all that. So he came and that's it. He's like this, oh my God, woman. He says, never mind a movie. I'm going to make a mini series out of you. So I said, yeah, you could. <laughs> so it, tur it turns out he's my agent now and my manager. And yeah, we got a lot of things on the go. There's, you know, a lot of possibilities. I don't want to talk about it, but the movie sure. is going to happen. Uh, that's going to happen. I just, it's already in progress. So that's pretty exciting. That's yeah. pretty cool. What do you think? What do you have to say to people that are going through a similar situation that you did? Oh my God. Number one, you have to believe in the person you want to become. Flat out, you have to have that in the forefront of your mind. Now, you also have to believe everything, your mind is going to believe, I should say, everything you're going to feed it, right? So are you going to feed it negativity? Or are you going to feed, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm so fat, I'm so ugly, I'm so useless. All these negative things, you end up by saying them, believing it. So you got to feed it with, with love and faith and hope. And you know what? Be kind to your mind. It, it's not, change happens, you make that change happen. You take the steps, find the resources. Nowadays online, there's so many resources that are free. My God, use them. There's free counseling. There's free so many things. And, and you, you, people make excuses. Stop making excuses. Do it today. Don't do it tomorrow. Take the time that you need to do today. You have to be able to change the story that you're telling yourself on a daily basis because nobody else can do it for you. Like I said earlier, I can give you all the tools right now, right here. Do this, do this, do this. But unless you stop and think about it and say enough, nothing is going to change. Nothing will change. You have to make it right. And my question going back to your life before, you know, when all this was going on, I guess after a while, it's like battered women's syndrome where it becomes so normal, such a normal thing. Like you say, you're, you're able to hide it, and then you, you go out in public like, like nothing's going on. Again, it's a mindset. You know sure. when you know what happens, and and the thing is, what I say a lot to women in in shelters, and I don't want you to take this wrong. I hope people that are listening don't take this wrong, but sure. the, the 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 abuser will continue to abuse. The woman allows it flat out. If you backtrack into the beginning of the relationship, it starts with the little things. It doesn't just start flat out. He starts beating you on the first date, right? It starts with the little things. Your hair isn't right. My God, look at what you wore. Oh my God. What kind of makeup are you wearing? Where are you? Uh, you know, you know, and it starts with all these little things. You cook food. He sends it back. This isn't eatable. Like what, what are you trying to feed? You know, all these little red flags. It's the woman that allows it. The woman makes excuses. Oh, he's just tired. He had a hard day. No, it's bullshit. It's you that's allowing them to treat you like that. If you're, if, if, if I would say on a first couple dates that he doesn't like my hair, well, don't look at it. <laughs> you know, like there's no way that I would ever tolerate being talked down to again. If you don't like the clothes, don't look, go with someone right. else, you know? So by letting all these little things build up, build up, build up, the abuser pushes, pushes, pushes. And you continue to allow, to allow, to allow. Well, at some point, the slap's going to hit. It's going to hit you across the face. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. I don't know. You made, you made me so angry. I didn't make him angry. He made himself angry, right? So it, and, and the woman says, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I know you had a tough day. That's the problem right there. You got to nip it in the butt at, at the very beginning when he pushes back the food that you don't like. Well, then, sorry, cook yourself, right? Flat out. <laughs> if you'll, you'll eat when you're hungry. Like just, and it, it's, it's women as nurturers, as caregivers, right? That we tend to want to fix things and, oh, you know, come here and I'll cuddle you. And, but when it comes to relationships, you have to, a lot of people don't come like they, they grow up in unhealthy relationships to begin with. Uh -huh. So that is what you think is normal. But in this day and age, there's so much information out there. You know, it's not normal. Don't tell me that you, you don't. Right. There's so much. But if you pay attention to those red flags in the beginning and you nip it in the butt, how could it continue? You don't because you stop it. Right. 
Makes sense. How is COVID? Because I know you like to go. You know, I know you like to spend your days going to places to talk to people. How has COVID affected that? Do you, do you do a lot of that online? Uh, well, not so much. Um, it's it's been really good because I could spend time with my mother. But uh, I've just re um, I've just re centered my energies into writing my new book. I wrote a children's okay. book. I, I finished that in April. I wrote it in four days. Got that sucker out. Oh. It's in uh, it's in French, English, and Spanish. My my current book, Dream Big. Uh, I got an email from Caterpillar this week in India. They translated the book into Hindi. So I'll be going back whenever the world opens up to India for a book launch. How cool is that? That is cool. Uh, it's it's available in Spanish. So I'm going to Chile with Finning uh, whenever the world opens up to do a Spanish book launch. I mean that. Fucking cool is that? Uh, Caterpillar in, in Africa, West Africa, it's their French. So my book is in French because I'm French. Well, I'm waiting to go to Africa for a French book launch over there. <laughs> right? So it, it's kind of, yes, it's, it's, it's kind of put me back in the traveling, but it's also been given me the time to recenter my energy and realize that, oh, I got another book to write. Oh, I guess, right? So, and this one's going to be. So cool! It's it's already cool. It, it's yeah, I, I'm excited writing it, right? But it, it's kind of creepy because of the whole haunting thing. Because we had right, a lot right, of right. we had so many paranormal uh, things happen. And actually, I was at work writing, and my yoga mat. As I'm writing the scene about the Ouija board, about some some stuff that were moving around in my house, my yoga mat fell off. Uh, fell off the heater, which it shouldn't have fallen off, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know what? I'm done writing for today. Out the door. <laughs> Yeah. So, but no, but um, it's it's a battle between it's it's about a young girl who's myself who travel who learns as a young child of at, at in her teenage years that she's able to travel between two worlds, and uh, once they play the Ouija board, it opens up that portal, and so now there's a whole battalion that goes on from from the attacks from the from the evil entities and the angels that are protecting this girl. So there's a war, right? So who gets the girl? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. And not to mention my bad guy who's in there, right? Who travels through time to, to be able to try and come kill this the, the heroine. So it's pretty cool. I get excited thinking about it, but <laughs> you said you were um <laughs> you said that sounds cool. I gotta read it when it comes out. You said um well, with your first book you were writing it while 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 you were working, you know, in between yeah. working. How long did it take you to write that first book? One month. <laughs> One wow. month. Well, it's my story, right? It was easy to write. I wrote it all hand on a big uh, yellow notepad, those legal pages. And then I got home in front of the computer. I didn't even look at my notes. I rewrote the book, right? I just rewrote it, got it out. It took a year from cover to cover to get out. I self-published because um, it, I, I have this, this feeling inside that I needed to get it out pronto, man. And to go through publishing and all that. And I knew I'd be giving out a lot of them free and publishers aren't too crazy about that, right? So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna self-publish and do what I, do what I wanna do, right? So it's been good. Now it's English, French, Spanish, Hindi, and I got the Portuguese version on a USB stick. So yeah, it'll be five languages. It's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and now you're, of course you're writing another book. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you are really busy. The hamsters, eight hamsters, one wheel. <laughs> Stop. Now, I'm going to ask you something that, you got, that nobody wants to talk about. How old are you now? 51 and damn proud of it. I got okay. no problem talking about it. Some <laughs> people don't want to talk about it. Some people slap me. Virtually slap me. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> that is really awesome. You got a great story. Um, I do. Where can people get a hold of you? Uh, Facebook, uh, they can buy my book in Barnes and Noble, Amazon, it's there, uh, all, well, the children's book also, uh, they can messenger, Instagram, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, all, all the social media outlets. Yeah. My, my That's website cool. is my name, kathytucaro.com. If they want to see the truck for themselves, if they want more information on stuff that I do, I started a blog, bluestarblogger.com, but I'm not very consistent. I kind of struggle with that a little bit, but <laughs> I got lots on the go, man. <laughs> and my current book kind of overrides the Blue Star blogging, but I, yeah, whatever. I'll get there. <laughs> You'll get there. I'll get I'm there. I'm just going to wait for my blog. Um, any, is there anything else you'd like to add to this? This has been great. Oh my God. You know, here, yes. 
I'd like to end with this. If you don't make time for your for your wellness, you, mm -hmm. you're gonna be, have to be forced to make time for your illness, right? I'll say that again. If you don't make time for your mental health, wellness, you're gonna be forced to, to, to make time for your illness. Like I did, showing up, pushing things, thinking I'm fine, 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 show up at work nursing, I can't read the page. I had a complete done, right? I can't function anymore. There had, had I taken care of my mental health issues, all my problems before that, before thinking, oh, I'm fine, I'm tough, you know, what happens in the past stays in the past, none of this would have happened, right? Like I, you have to be able to look for yourself. You have to put yourself number one before your kids, your spouse, your family, you have to be number one, right? And set those boundaries. Oh yeah. And awesome. if anybody wants to talk to me, I'm always available, Chatty Kathy. I always answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been really great. This, 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 this almost hour blew by really fast. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so glad you came on. I'm real happy. I've been wanting to get you on for what, like a month, two months. Yeah. And I'm real excited about it. And I just love, I just love the work you do. The work right. you do, plus the other work you do. That's just, <laughs> yeah, just the big stuff. But, but, but the stuff you do on the outside to help people because it takes a big heart yeah. to do that. And with the experiences that you had, you, you can actually help people. And I think it's wonderful. Yeah, so thank okay. you again for being on. You bet. I'm, I'm going to message you and I'll send you a copy of my book tomorrow. I'll put it in the mail. Sounds good. And I would love to have you on again when, when a little further down the line to talk with you and see how things are going. Absolutely. Anytime. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Thank All you right. for having me again. Thank you. Have a good Bye. evening. Bye. Goodbye. Okay, well, that was our show tonight. Uh, we're ending a little early tonight. I'm tired, but uh, come back, join us next week, and uh, we're going to have another great guest on. Of course, that'll be a paranormal week. Uh, like I said, we're flipping every other week. We're doing paranormal, and we're doing stuff like this, you know, and uh, hopefully I can have another interesting guest come in when we do the flip, and uh, I hope you guys had a good night. I know I had a good night, so I will see you next Wednesday. See, I can't remember what day it is. And that noise you heard in the background, I have a snoring dog in here. So that wasn't me passing gas or anything. It was my snoring dog. But anyway, uh, we are the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. www.californiahaunts.org. Oh, I know. What else I have to add, too, is we're going to start expanding the show over, the, over our YouTube channel as well. So we're going to be going live on Facebook and YouTube. And I'm going to be putting together uh, something on Patreon. We're going to have a newsletter that we're going to be putting out every couple months. And that's a, it's going to be a fees thing, but it's going to have some interesting stuff in there, like equipment reviews. It's going to have um, local places that you can actually access to go ghost hunting or check it out. You know, ch check out the ghosties, you know, where, where the people are real friendly to tell you stories. And it's going to have stuff like that. It's going to have a psychic's corner where you can write in and ask uh a question and we might pull you out of the grab bag for that day or, or, or week and or month whatever and uh, the psychic will answer your question you know one of our team psychics and uh, it's gonna have some other stuff in there oh I know uh, uh, a myth section where uh, the first issue I'll, I'll give you a little hint the first issue is gonna be werewolves we're gonna talk about werewolves so we're gonna have one section in this thing about different myths like vampires and werewolves where we're gonna talk about that so there's going to be a lot packed into this into this newsletter, and um, we're excited to be doing it. So I decided maybe to put it over on Patreon because we are a nonprofit. So we actually have to fund ourselves doing this, uh, going out buying equipment and all that good stuff. So if we can, you know, make a little money somehow, just like with this. Uh, as you can see on, on along the bottom of what I'm doing here, I have a, do a donate thing because, like I said, we're, we are nonprofit, and all this stuff co comes out of my personal pocket. Everything for this group. So it would be nice to have some extra funds coming in to help fund all this. So if you got you know, any, any little bit can help, you know. Uh, but again, if you like the show, share it with your friends. If you didn't like the show, share it with your enemies. Get even with them. But uh, I want to thank you guys. And again, I will see you next week. You have a good one.